Hey, hey, welcome to a very special Haunts Up. Extremely special because we've got... Peter, do you want to introduce the band? Yeah, so, I mean, if you didn't get the teaser that we put uh, last time, uh, we spoke to chemists. So, yeah, it was really cool to speak to Zach Coleman, the, the drummer. I've been following the band quite some time now, so it was really nice to kind of hear what they're up to and uh, especially excited to hear what they're planning for the future. So I don't think we should spend too much time uh, on an introduction. Let's straight get into the interview, man. Hi, Zach. How are you doing, you know, in these kind of strange, unprecedented times? <laughs> I'm better than nothing. Um, it's it's definitely been strange. Uh, I think it has been for everybody. But, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to keep my job and pay my bills. So all things considered, it's been okay. Um, but it's stressful. <laughs> I, I yeah. think the other thing is trying not to lose my mind. Um, so... I don't know. I don't know if I've been doing a great job on that. How about you? How are y'all? Well, we've we've been in lockdown for the last month or so. So yeah, yeah same quite same quite thing strange. here. Yeah, yeah. are you, you know, staying sane? I trying to keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let Let's straight dive in into your latest release, which is the mini album Doomed Heavy Metal. You know, it's a mix of covers as well as live tracks. So how did it mm-hmm. all come together? Yeah, it's kind of um, we <laughs> we recorded a song for uh, Decibel Magazine. They have a a little flexi disc series, and uh, so right after we recorded our um, album Hunted in 2016, we recorded a track for the Decibel Flexi series called Empty Throne, and. Uh, it it kind of only ever saw this very limited release via that. And then not long after that, we did a split seven inch with our friends in Spirit Adrift. And that was the conversation with Death. And so we had these two songs um, that we had recorded and put out in fairly limited format that we have been kicking around um, trying to put out in some kind of wider release. And we didn't know if we were going to do like I don't know, maybe just like a digital only thing or something or or figure out some kind of format. And then this EP idea um, started rolling around. Dave from 20 Bucks Spin kind of pitched us on it. And uh, we liked the idea. And we all love ZZ Top and we love Fandango. So we... Um, we kind of use that as a model and that record is half live and half studio tracks. So we thought, okay, we have two, we have a a couple of shows that we're playing two nights in a row coming up. Let's have Dave Otero who records us normally in studio, come record us live for the live half of whatever this thing ends up being. And then we also knew we would still need some, you know, like a studio track, at least one, to fill out the kind of album, the studio side. Um, and so then we were just, we, we kind of tossed around a lot of different ideas, but we settled on um, doing a cover and, you know, uh, 
a lot of conversation went into us landing on Dio, but we got there. So I don't know. It was a uh, it was a thing that kind of percolated for about four years. Oh wow! Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> See, that yeah. came my next question: Why cover Dio Rainbow in the Dark? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a. Uh, on one of our first tours, um, I know Phil and Ben were taught, we were in the van, um, driving from one city to another and we were just listening to a bunch of Dio and they were talking about how cool it would be to do a Dio cover someday. Um, just because people wouldn't really expect it from us and we all love Dio and thought we could have a good time kind of making a Dio song, you know, sound like a chemist song. And, uh, and when we started kicking around the idea of doing a cover for this thing, um, Dio came up pretty quickly. We were tossing around a lot of different stuff. Um, but yeah, something about Dio just made sense. And we all were super into the idea when it came back up. And then the thing I remember the most is when Ben transposed the keyboard part to the guitar. The first time I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, this will work. This is cool. So, all right. You mentioned a lot of chatter while selecting this particular song. Were there any other songs that uh, you guys were considering for the cover? Um, we definitely were kicking around Metallica a lot. Um, oh, which one? Uh, we kind we kind of ran through like every song off a of Master of Puppets at some point. We're like, oh, maybe maybe we'll do uh, you know disposable heroes. No, oh, no, maybe we'll do this, and we could. Yeah, I don't know. We were just going off the rails, and then we we um, we kicked around a lot more obscure stuff, more underground stuff. I'm trying to remember what specifically now. I don't I don't know, um, but. Uh, it didn't really start getting more serious till we decided we want to do something bigger because we figured if we're going to do a cover, we might as well do something people know. It'll be more fun that way. Um, yeah, Metallica and Dio were the top two running. But yeah, we kicked around a lot. It was mostly, I think it was just basically just Master of Puppets is what we were talking about. Not, we didn't really go too, but, you know, other too many other places there. But What, no St. Tango? <laughs> yeah exactly well of course St. Anger was first and then we yeah but it's too good you know it's too good we didn't want to touch that <laughs> okay okay so let me put you in the spot a little bit if sure. the decision was purely left to you name <laughs> or pick three songs that chemists would should cover and why oh man holy shit <laughs> <laughs> okay all right um let me think just i think i think we we'd have to come back around to metallica but now i'm I'm racking my brain for like what song do i want to do um i think leper messiah would be awesome okay um always love that song and then that's a deep cut not many people would pick that as their first Metallica choice. I know, I, but I'm a deep cut kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> I would probably also, uh, A Dangerous Meeting from Don't Break the Oath, Merciful Fate. I'm a huge King Diamond <laughs> fan. Wow. And like, very, very big King Diamond fan, Merciful Fate fan. So that's 
that's top choice for me. And then, hmm, let me throw a curveball maybe with a third. Uh, God, we could do so many cool things. You know what? It, it's going to have to be a Thin Lizzy song because I'm a huge Thin Lizzy fan. Um, yeah, maybe just Black Rose from Thin Lizzy because, man, what a great song. Sweet, sweet. Those are some very exciting choices. Yeah. Well, you know, we we love harmonized leads and that kind of thing. And so, you know, some of that stuff is right up our alley, too. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, please humor me on this next question. Uh, sure. Have you seen the MTV documentary about Kiss Alive? I haven't, actually. You haven't? Oh, yeah. No. Okay. All right. So the reason I brought that up, and you should watch it once. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I want to. I, I some, somehow I miss that. I, I love music docs, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm doing this right now. I'm adding it to my list. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. The reason I brought it up is because that documentary kind of ruined live recordings for me in a way, because it ended up revealing that uh, Kiss had gone back to a studio and touched up all their instruments for the live album. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I'm not insinuating anything here, okay? But <laughs> rather, the question is, where do you stand on this thought or this approach? Yeah, I don't love it. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm trying to think of, like, reasons you do that. I guess the reason... One way I could get behind it if there was just something technically wrong with the recording and you had to put it out or something i don't know man i i think if you listen to our live tracks it's clear it's not perfect uh <laughs> which is part of the appeal i love when you can i, I love live albums and i know I've, most of them have been touched up almost all of them from the 70s and 80s um but there's some like you know judas priest definitely touched up parts and like whatever uh but I love like Fog Hat Live, for example, because mm -hmm. like, man, there's just a really there's a lot of like push and pull with the tempos. They speed up, it slows down. You can tell he's not playing to a click, you know, as a drummer for yeah. me, it's like just very natural. I love that stuff. I think it's great because it's just the human element, you know, and we're not perfect players and shouldn't have to be. But it's a weird thing because like I also feel like that was a more acceptable paradigm in the 70s. Where it's like, yeah, you could miss some notes and be flat here and there or whatever, and nobody's going to really think about it too much. But now it's like, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't just like the yeah. Damn. And I'm like, yeah, because we're humans, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess it's also having to do with all the technology which allows you to quantize every damn thing. Yeah, totally. And it's, um, it's weird because in some ways you have to play some of that game because it's what people expect. And so even though you can be like, no, 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 this is how it should be. If it's not what people want to hear, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Um, okay. But I love just those pure, you know, I don't know, Fandango. I'm sure Fandango is even touched up too, maybe. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah okay okay here's another live music question for you 
Now, mm-hmm. as a drummer, obviously, playing live would allow you for a lot of improvisation as such. Um, mm-hmm. How do you view your live gigs? Is there room for a lot of improvisation or do you, would you guys rather stick to what's on the album note to note and try to replicate that experience live? Um, I think we, we largely stay to what's on the album, um, but we have areas in each of our playing that we kind of allow ourselves to improvise and be freer, you know, uh, you know, kind of throw stuff in. Um, mostly we try to stick to the albums, but we also, some stuff we do kind of intentionally now, like the, the faster songs on the albums, we play faster live than they are on the albums and the slower stuff. We try to play a little bit slower actually. And even within the same song, because a lot of the times, like I'll, I'm recording songs to a click, um, for tracking on the albums and so there'll be some tempo shifts um but i like to make them more dramatic live so like if we're playing a faster part and then it gets to a slow section after i I try to like really pull that down a little bit but i don't want to do it so much that makes a song unrecognizable like there's there's a balance there and, and that's what we try to hit is somewhere in the middle i uh <laughs> you know i'm a huge willie nelson fan um, but sometimes live when he sings songs, he sings them so differently. You're just like, damn it, man. Can you just sing the song I want? <laughs> so like, I get that side of it too. Um, so, you know, we try to keep, keep the balance, uh, probably more in the favor of sticking to the albums, but with some, some improvis- improvisation in there. Okay. Uh, how much does all this improvisation have, have to do with reading the room? Do you guys get a sense of, I don't know. Does it does it actually ever happen that you guys are playing a room and the room just isn't warming up? Yeah, um, it's really um, man. That is a great question, and I'm trying to figure out like how to answer it in a way that makes sense. Um, sometimes it, it just it's it's just all over the place. You never know. And you can think like, man, tonight's going to be great. And then you start playing and you'll look out and everybody's just staring at you. Not, you know, not moving their head, nothing. And you're like, oh my God, we're bombing. Then you finish the song and everybody goes crazy. So you're like, okay, they're, they're into us, but the way that they show it is differently. So, okay, we're doing all right. So then, yeah, you, you definitely have to read the room and change kind of the approach. And we try to bring in a little bit of the uh, 70s and 80s, you know, throwing shapes on stage and stuff. We try to put on a show. I mean, it's not like ridiculous. We don't have props and stuff. But, you know, we try to be energetic on stage. But, you know, if a crowd is just hating it, you know, we can dial it back a little bit. Um, and some of that stuff is sometimes you just have to plow through it <laughs> and there's nothing you can do yeah but it's uh if if a crowd is getting into it then yeah we we turn it up and try to you know egg them on as much as possible and try to get everybody really into it then but so we've played shows you know to crowds that are good crowds but they're just really mellow and uh uh-huh. so you know you just play the set <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it can be um it's weird because like you wanna you want that like push and pull, that give and take with a crowd. Um and you don't always get it. And that's okay. You can still have a good show. It just is a different thing. Yeah, it sucks playing to like only maybe a dozen people or so. But hey, sometimes those are the cards that are dealt. That's true. And you know the thing is is like we've kind of built this thing naturally over time and I, I we've seen it every time and we we've had shows like that and every once in a while we still have a show like that they're pretty rare these days but um you know if you go up there and and play like there's 200 people in the room when there's 20 those 20 people are going to tell all their friends and yeah yeah and next time you come through you're going to have a bigger crowd and it, it, we've seen it work time and time again so we never take those shows for granted either we don't you know we don't say oh we'll just phone this one in we're like no we better go up there and bust ass because we do a good yeah. if we do a good job you know this is gonna be good for us and and then the funny thing is because we you know we write the music that we love it doesn't take much to have a good time anyway you know we start playing the songs and we're having a good time so you know, at this point, we'd like to play a track from uh, Doomed Heavy Metal. Which one should we play and why? Mm. Um, I think we should play Empty Throne because it's unlike any other song that we we have. And mm. the new stuff that we're writing doesn't sound like it either. So it's just like this weird anomaly of a song.
So Zach, um, what would you say is the cause for this, you know, mass movement that we've seen around doom metal over the last decade or so? Why do you think this subgenre of metal really resonates with so many people? The thing that we always say is like, doom is the soul of metal. Um, it's there's something about it that. Um, it's a place that is allows for more open emotion and um, seemingly and uh, is just uh, I don't know man it's really hard to put put your finger on but there's a way in which it's it's just really soulful music that and that's a thing that I think people can understand you know all over and I think that's been part of the appeal of it. And it's it's been an, an it's had a context where um, it's been allowed to be that way. It's not so rigidly defined as like some black and death death metal genres, um, which I love that stuff too. So don't get me wrong, but you know I I I also think there's just more room to work with in doom. You can have a death metal riff in a doom song. And uh, it's totally fine. Um, but I don't know. I think it's like, it's the mix of like, it's, uh, you can experiment and it's, that's accepted. It's a place to be emotive. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, tone and volume play into it. And, um, I don't know. I think it's a lot of different things. It's really hard to say, though. I think I'll, maybe part of it's also the rise of some of the the bigger doom bands, you know, in the metal scene in general, with Neurosis and Yob and um, you know all that kind of thing, doing a lot for the genre. So yeah, you know, I was reading some of the old interviews you did, and this was around the time of the release of Desolation. And okay. I'm going to quote you here. You said, oh, I want, man. I wanted this. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you said, I wanted this album to be to hunted like Master of Puppets was to ride the lightning. So my question yes. is, what can we expect from your next album? Is it going to be something teggy, proggy, like justice for all? Yeah, no. Um, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like Saint Anger. That's the next thing. <laughs> Saint Anger. That's it, man. We're done. We did the trilogy. It's all over from here. Um, <laughs> you know, I. It's it's hard for me to. This is such a cheesy answer. It's hard for me to put into words. Um, I think I think the next album is going to be different. Um, in the same way that Desolation was hunted, different from Hunted, um, this next record is going to be different from Desolation. Uh, definitely. You can already tell. Um, what that means, hard for me to say because we're still writing it. Um, the songs that we have now have a really particular um, feel to them. And... <sighs> It it feels this is so I hate I hate 
talking about this because it doesn't actually i'm not actually saying anything that, that makes sense but like the material f- feels dark to me um tonally there's parts that are there's some songs that are slow the whole time and then there's some parts that are the fastest stuff that we have yet um but i'm excited because the stuff that we have so far all feels really cohesive. It, it feels like um, material that should go together and works as one piece at the same time. But it does not feel like Desolation or Hunted. Um, so it's hard for me to say. I, I don't really know. It just... I'm getting a similar feeling that I got when we were working on hunted in terms of like it it doesn't it doesn't sound anything like hunted the material but when we were working on that record um we got so dialed into what the songs needed to be and what the tone of that material needed to be that I just knew I was like yeah this is great we're we're this is what this album should be when we would work on a song we knew we were hitting it and as we've been working on this new material, I'm getting that same kind of feeling coming up, which is really nice. Um, but it's going to be different. And I, I, people might be bummed. I hope not. But um, I also, I think it's inevitable because there's no way we can continue writing albums and keep it interesting for ourselves and make the same thing over and over again. It's just not going to happen. Since, you know, Desolation was one of my favorite albums of 2018, so no pressure there. But <laughs> when, expect, when can we expect to hear the next album or next release from you? Yeah, it'll be out next year. Um, we were hoping to have it out this year, but some it's, it took us, it's taking us longer to write it than we thought. And then um, some logistical stuff came up, so we weren't able to get into the studio this year. Um, yeah. So it's a mix of those two things, but it's going to be out next year. And I, I, I would guess summer, maybe fall. That's good. That's something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have to ask you about the album art that Chemist does. It's, it's really, it's beautiful all through from, from the first release. Um, but I have to ask, what's the deal with the wizard or the warrior queen? I understand that there's this need for it to be timeless as such, but any other insights that you can share? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't possibly spoil whatever interpretation that you have of that artwork. No way. Um, but really, it just started um, when we did Absolution and Sam was working on the artwork Um we a thing just popped up into my brain about having a a character like eddie for iron maiden Mm -hmm. and uh after we released absolution we talked about bringing them back for the next record and trying to have some of those elements just because there weren't and there may there aren't many bands that are doing that now especially um and so we wanted to have like some recurring characters and especially the wizard. Um, but I, 
I don't, I think that's gonna change for the next record. Um, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Um, the, the broad strokes thing I could say about the artwork is you can see a clear ascendancy of our warrior queen. And, uh, there's no coincidence that, um, that artwork was done in a time of the Me Too movement and also while Donald Trump was getting elected. So, uh, yeah, there's a message there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so having said that, having said that, and considering where we are at the moment and all the information you shared with us about the next release, etc., what mm -hmm. really is next for Chemist? Or what would you like to be next for Chemist? Honestly, I just focusing on the next record. Um, that's that's really the main thing for us. And my favorite thing to do with a band and with music in general is to work on new material. So that's the next thing. And then we we had um, a couple of European tours planned for this year that obviously aren't happening. So hopefully we can get those rescheduled um, for later in the year or next year or whatever ends up being the case. Um, but yeah, working on the next record. And then honestly, like, I don't know, everything has been such a cool journey so far. Um, uh, we've done way more than I ever thought we would. So, uh, I don't really, we've, we've ticked off most boxes for me, I guess, uh, if we could tour with Metallica, that would be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be quite something. Get the secrets to that lovely snare tone from that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think he still drinks, so I could get him drunk, you know, and see see how I did it. <laughs> All right. So you you kind of walked into this one. So you know, since we have you, I have to ask: since you're the head brewer at uh, True Brewing, do you see parallels between you know brewing beer and doom metal or heavy metal? In some ways, um, I mostly see parallels between the communities, um, like the metal community and the brewing community. There's a lot of um, similarities because it's a lot of like um, small independent businesses. And so you have like this small group of people who are doing this kind of weird thing and it's a lot of work and there's not a lot of money in it <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know just like metal and uh and everybody is super nice for the most part and supportive and helpful um and it's become the metal community and the brewing communities have become you know secondary families for me um it's it's great all right so I have to leave you on this last question, and it's primarily only because I have you uh, to interview. If cool. there was a chemist beer, what would <laughs> it be like? <laughs> if it was up to me, it would yeah. be a uh, clean Belgian-style Saison um, because that's my, probably my favorite style of beer. Um, so high carbonation, low sugar light bodied um easy drinking floral balanced mid alcohol level yeah <laughs> nice yeast driven beer 
that's the stuff that I like. So awesome. <laughs> the other guys in my band would be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you're the only one who can actually make it. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So, you know, thanks a lot uh, for joining us, Zach. It's been great talking to you and, uh, you know, great to hear all the updates uh, from the chemist camp. I mean, we have something already to look forward to in uh, 2021. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for chatting with me. It's great. That was such a chilled out conversation. I think I had to kind of restrain myself a bit, but uh, yeah, it was nice to hear and uh, particularly about them working on the new album. So already there's something to look forward to uh, next year itself. This is going to be quite an album. And I mean, considering uh, how much I enjoyed Desolation, uh, I'm really looking forward to what they have up their sleeve this time. Mm, they certainly are going to be a band to watch out for. They're just growing bigger as such. Full props to them for doing that. Well, you got to speak to one of your favorites. That's certainly good. I hope you can rustle up something for me too. Yeah, I know. I know this was a really cool opportunity for me, but uh, let me see what I can do for you, man, because uh, I know Maiden are one of your favorite bands. So, Let's see how close to Maiden we can get. Ooh, I like where this is going. I like where this is going. And if you guys are still listening to us, then this is probably a good time to tell you about hornsupport.com. Go out over there, reach out to us. Let us know if you want to talk about anything metal. We're always available. We're also on Twitter. I'm Adar Gowani. And I'm Trent Crusher. Until the next time, it's Hornsup. Hands up, guys. Okay.